If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Good morning. Praise God. Good to see all of you here today. I want to say to all of those of you that are planning on being water baptized next Sunday, please uh, wear a dark t-shirt and uh, come uh, with a towel as well and preferably shorts or something as well. Just cover the matter. And, um, and then um, I will give a brief instruction um, about water baptism if you'll come a little bit early before whatever service you're going to be attending. Uh, water baptism is a very important part in the Christian walk. It's, uh, it's, it's more than just a symbol. It is actually a tangible that attaches us to this eternal uh, plan of salvation that uh, we know that we are saved by grace through faith alone, right? But the scripture talks about being saved from this perverse generation, from this, this, the spirit of this world and its ideologies and that by being baptized, you are, you are identifying with the burial of Christ. You are going underwater and at that moment you are buried with him and you rise to newness of life in baptism. So it's a powerful moment. And if you have not been water baptized, this is your opportunity and I want to encourage you to do it. Amen. Um, also, I want to just uh, talk about this for a moment, the prayer walk for the cure uh, that is coming up on May the 11th. We're going to be praying for it, anyone and everyone who has suffered from cancer or is suffering from cancer. Um, and it, there is a flyer out in the foyer that you can get um, if you want to uh, get more information on that. It's going to be in the Albertsons parking lot at the corner of Stonebridge Drive and Virginia Parkway from, Parkway from 9 to 1030. It's going to be about a mile walk where we'll walk together and pray. And the scripture says where two or three agree is touching anything, it shall be done. So uh, you can go to prayerwalkforthecure.com for more information as well. All right. So glad to see all of you. And I want to say welcome to all of you who are here for the very first time. And welcome to all of you who are here on a regular basis. I'm glad all of you are here. God bless you. And uh, I want us to take our Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, grab your iPod, your iPad, your Android, your Blueberry, Blackberry. Some of you come old school, still with the leather-bound book. That's cool too. Uh, but I do want to encourage you to take some notes today. But if you happen to have the Bible app from YouVersion, the most popular Bible app online, um, you can go there and click on the live button and search One Cause Church. And then I have some notes already there for you to follow by if you so choose that. So we want to get as much resource to you as possible. Uh, the, I believe the word is something that we must chew on. It's, the scripture teaches that it is what we live on. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So this is something that you can take today, receive today, and then just continue to chew on it during the week. And the more you chew on it, the more nourishment you get out of it. Amen. But I want to just, we've been walking through Hebrews chapter 11. I've named this series, Opportunity Knocks, But Faith Opens Doors. And this is a great chapter in, in, the, in, in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, known as the Hall of Faith. And uh, it's where we look at many of our heroes of the Bible and see these moments where their life went from ordinary to extraordinary by faith. And that is an example for us, not something that we can look into and say, wow, that's cool, but it's something that we can look at and say, I want that, and I want to experience that extraordinary in my life today. And we must all realize and come to the place that 
the understanding that is that it's only live by faith. And all of us, the scripture says, have been dealt by God a measure of faith, and then we spend our lives growing in that faith. All right? We walk by faith. The just shall live by faith faith. Amen. So we've been looking at some powerful things and I don't have time to go into review for the sake of time, but if you would like to catch up on this series of messages, you can go to onecausechurch.com and click on the podcast button and we've got lots of sermons there for you to freely download. They're for your benefit, for your growth and your walk with God. All right. Some things that we're going to look at and I'm just going to give you what we're going to get into and then we're going to start reading scripture. Number one, faith is the awareness that we are in this world but not of this world. Number two, faith says it how it is. I like that. Faith says it how it is. Number three, faith never looks back. Number four, faith is the desire for better. Number five, faith is total surrender to God. Number six, faith's motto is God is able. Number seven, faith is an inheritance to your children and grandchildren And number eight, faith ensures that we are saved to the bone. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 13, we find these words. These all died in faith. Everybody shout out, in faith. faith. That's not a very good shout, but I'm not going to wait for you. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. By seeing the promises afar off, They recognized that they were in this world, but they were not of this world. And the more you become conscious of that, the greater level of living you will live. Hallelujah. Your life will come up when you are continually aware of your eternal significance and purpose. Faith is the awareness that we are in this world, but not of this world. Even Jesus told Pontius Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. Two years ago, I was traveling back from India on a series of flights to get back home. And it took, let's see, Trivandrum to Chennai, Chennai to Delhi, Delhi to Chicago, Chicago to Dallas. It was four flights. Um, and this, this particular year, um, I had to fly back alone because our friend, my friend Daniel stayed um, for some extended meetings there. And so I began this long trip home from the very southernmost airport in India called Trivandrum. And from there, I flew into Chennai. And Chennai is an interesting city. They believe this is where Thomas did most of his missionary work in the country of India. As a matter of fact, I've been in the church. I've stood in the church. Uh, they say it's the oldest church on planet Earth. And it was founded in AD 63. And Thomas was the one who started that work. And it was an awesome thing to stand there in that place and realize the significance of it, hearing Jesus tell Thomas, Thomas, because you've seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And Thomas took that as his mission and went and began to talk about Jesus and spread this gospel for those who hadn't seen him yet would receive a blessing because they believed. I was in this airport, and as I'm, I had about a two-hour layover, and I went upstairs um, and sit, just sat in some chairs they had there. And as I'm sitting there, this loneliness begins to set in. I'm pretty content in any atmosphere I'm in. But when I started realizing 
the magnitude of where I was. I'm across the world. I'm cut off from, from communication by phone. I uh, don't know the language of the people. I don't know any of the people. And I'm about the only white guy in the building. And so I, I felt separated by lots of measure, lots of, <laughs> on lots of levels, I should say. And as I'm sitting there, I mean, I'm just beginning to get really homesick. And I thought, man, I want this flight to be over with. But I realized it was going to take a long time to get back home, many, many hours. And so as I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of feeling the weight of this loneliness, looking around, and everything, everything was vividly strange to me and foreign, I came to this realization that I am in India, but I am not of India. And it was a lonely place for me as an American to be sitting there and being homesick. I longed to see my beautiful wife, Heather, and to embrace my children and to be back with my church family. The scripture says, why we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, or that is subject to change. But the things that are not seen are eternal. And faith keeps you aware that while you are here, you're really not here. Hallelujah. You are living for eternity. You are storing up every day of your life for opportunities as, as a Christian, as a believer, as a child of God to store up treasures in heaven. Amen. Spend more time, put more focus on that than on storing up something for later on in your life. Understand that it's more fulfilling because these treasures will never corrode. They'll never rust. They'll never go away. They are forever. And remember, you belong to a kingdom that is absolutely not of this world. This place is really not your home. This is just a, a starting point, a temporary thing to tap you into an eternal purpose. Amen. So don't get too content. Don't get too comfortable here. All right? Realize your life is attached to something greater. 14 of Hebrews 11. For those who say such things declare plainly. Say plainly. They declare plainly that they seek a homeland. I like that. Faith says it how it is. Faith doesn't beat around the bush. Faith isn't wishy-washy. Faith just simply says it how it is. It is our right now reality. It is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So it's a substance and is, it is an evidence. I love that. That's, it gives it oomph. It gives it power. It gives it meaning. It helps us see that this is real. Faith says it how it is. So your confession of faith is not a question, and it's not just wishful thinking. I'll say that, and I hope it works out. No, it is an absolute truth. It's an absolute assurance. It is how it is. Faith says it how it is. Jesus is Lord. By his stripes, I am healed. It says it how it is, and it does not weigh in the circumstances to realize its reality. It just says it how it is. It's attached to God and it's attached to his truth so that it can have this absolute assurance. I am strong. The Bible says I am rich. The Bible says I am blessed. So therefore I am blessed. The Bible says I am free. Therefore I am free. Hmm? Faith is not a question. It's a declaration. The big problem with so many people's prayers are, is that often, too often, they're just too vague, right? 
I think we get so vague, sometimes even God doesn't understand what we're saying, right? Can you be a little bit more specific than, Lord, let your will be done. Bless everybody on planet Earth in Jesus' name, amen. Just do whatever you got to do and make it happen. Um, just bless all the little children. Let nobody starve ever. Amen. Y'all aren't supposed to get quiet there. Lord. Or Lord, it's just your ways are just so mysterious. I just can't figure you out. I don't know what to do. Just You know better than me. Just do what you need to do. When the scripture teaches us that people by faith declare things. They express what they desire. Whatever things you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you will have them. So prayer is not just one more version of, I'll try prayer too, along with rubbing my rabbit's foot and my lucky penny that I carry in my pocket and my dream catcher that I've got on my rear view mirror. And uh, I've got all of these avenues of prayer is not for the superstitious. Amen nor for those that are a little stitious. Prayer is the process by which your faith in God is declared. It says it how it is. Say it how it is. God spoke to you plainly. He likes to be spoken to plainly. Amen. Amen. Tell him what you want. Verse 15. Y'all stay with me. Stay excited. All right. And truly, if they had called to mind... That country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. The third thing we need to see here today is faith never looks back. There are times when you're going to be tempted to look back and think of the past as a better time in your life. You look back and think of, all oh, those were better days. Faith does not operate that way. Is not operating that which is behind us. It is the substance of things hoped for. Hope is in the future. That which we are eagerly waiting for with patience, expecting, looking to, seeing with our eyes with a vision that comes from God because God is there. See, God's vision is a vision that is progressing. The scripture says without vision, the people perish. Actually, in the literal text, it says without progressive vision. God's, God's kingdom is expanding. Jesus said, I will build my church, which means it's expanding, it's increasing, it's growing. You can't grow going backwards. Only going forward. And we're all living stones in this great house, building something marvelous that we can't see with our eyes, yet we know it in our heart. We're connected to it by faith. Amen? So if you don't look back, then you will forfeit the opportunity to ever go there. Set your mind on things above, the scripture says, not on things on the earth. And if you absolutely have to look back at the past, remember, it's just a reference point. Keep looking forward. Jesus Christ is our high priest of the good things to come. But let me remind you, too, that if you look back, you're going to find goodness, too. The psalmist said it so beautifully in Psalm 23 that we all know and we hear it just about every funeral that we attend. But it's, it's more than just a, a funeral message. This, that chapter is a message to be lived by. It's really glorious. But he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. When I look back, 
I'm looking at goodness and mercy. When I'm looking forward, I'm looking at good things to come because God has enveloped me in his grace and there is no beginning and there is no end to it. Hallelujah. It covers a multitude of sins. His love covers a multitude of sins. His grace abounds much more than sin. Hallelujah. When I look behind me, all I can see is that God was there. God helped me in that moment. If he did it there, this future must be really awesome then because it's the same yesterday, right now, and forever. Amen. Faith never looks back. Keep your eyes forward. Keep looking forward. Don't hold on. Don't live in regret. Don't live at what what's was, what should have been, what could have been, what might have been, but what can be, what will be, what is ahead of you. Faith keeps you looking forward. Verse 16, by, but now they desire a better. Everybody shout better. That is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Think about this. They desire a better, and because they desire better, God's not ashamed. That means he, he must really want you to desire the better thing. Faith is the desire for better, and we need that because Hebrews 8, 6 opens us up to this marvelous truth. But now he, that is Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also a mediator of a Oh, come on, guys. you got to help me a little better. He is a mediator of a better covenant established upon better promises. See, what they had, what these great men of faith had, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, doesn't even compare to what you have today. What they had was good, but what you have is better. Amen. And Jesus was one that made everything better. And the Peter teaches us that God has given us these exceeding great and precious promises that through these, we become partakers of the divine nature. That is, through God's promises, we get to experience the life that he wants us to live. That's why we go after those promises. It's not just about having a leather-bound book on a shelf somewhere that says, God's promises. But rather, something that we must experience, something that we cannot live without, something that we will not settle for anything that this earth can have. But we've got to have what God has said we can have. We've got to go after what God has promised us. Why? Because it keeps our desire right. The scripture says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4, it says that we've been given these exceeding great and precious promises that we may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Everybody's wanting something, but these promises ensure that you will always go after the right kinds of things. That way that when you do pray, you have a full assurance when you pray. I'm simply praying for what God has promised me. So you never have to go, oh, God, I want my desire to line up with your desire. I want what you want. And God says, well, I want what you want. And you say, well, yeah, but God, I want what you want. And God says, I want what you want. So there's a whole lot of wanting and a, not a whole lot being accomplished. Right? Yeah. Whatever things you desire, the Father says. Good. Amen. Let's go to verse 17. We've got to keep moving. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Everybody say, only begotten son. Of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called. Number five, faith is total surrender to God. Total surrender means there is nothing. This only begotten son, and yet Abraham offered him up freely to God. Total surrender. There is no thing, there's no person, there's no situation that stands between you and God. 
Nothing holds you back. Nothing keeps you away. Nothing takes the place of following after God with everything that is in you. Total surrender to God is a process of many surrenders along the way. See, God is with you in the process. We walk by faith. One more day. Today, I simply surrender to him. And tomorrow, I'm going to have to surrender afresh and anew again. I'm going to have to surrender my thoughts, my decisions, my relationships, my job, career, whatever. It's all his anyway. And God is patient. I love this. God is patient with us because he who began the work in us, the scripture says he will be faithful to complete it. But ladies and gentlemen, he is also relentless, relentless in his stance to have all of you. Because it's reasonable for us to give all of all to him. He gave all to us. Hebrew, I mean, Romans 12 says, uh, to, teaches us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him, which is our reasonable service. It's reasonable to make the right decisions. God's not asking you to live an unreasonable life. He's helping us understand it's a reasonable thing to make the right kinds of decisions, to surrender daily to him. It's the right kind of thing to offer this body as an instrument of righteousness to him. That's the reasonable thing to do. Oh, y'all don't get too quiet now. Amen. That's it's the right thing. Amen. He wants all of you, and he's continually after all of you, not to limit your life, but so that you can experience freedom at its greatest. Some see, some see uh, a, a one-man, one-woman relationship through a lifetime, a limiting kind of relationship. But, oh, man, the freedom that is in and in a lifelong partnership throughout our lives. The Scripture says that we are partakers of the grace of life together. When we stood up in August, on August the 13th, 1994, and we gave our promises to one another, And I told, my dad was marrying us, actually, and he said, and will you take Heather as your wife, and will you promise to love her, and to honor her, and to cherish her, and to keep yourself only unto her until your time on earth is done? I said, for the most part. (laughs) But I tell you what, I got this ex-girlfriend that I just have not been able to get over. I'm saving 1% of my heart for her. Sweetheart, you get 99%. That's not what happened. That wedding's over at that moment. And probably my life is over at that moment too. Right? It's reasonable for her to expect that she gets all of me and that I keep myself only under her. Ladies and gentlemen, let us not forget that a husband and wife standing here together is a picture of a greater reality. Christ and his church. So faith, man, what is that? Did you have a donut or something? <laughs> I'm going to do one that lasts longer next time. Faith, <laughs> faith is total surrender to God. That is, God is not just a number in a list of priorities for your life. 
He's not a, a, on a check-off to-do list. All right, God, okay, I've got him up there at number one rank, my, my spouse at number two, my kids, number three, my job, right? No, God is the center. He's the hub. And all that you do and all that you say and all that you think and all your relationships and all of your pursuits and all of your plans flow out of that centrality called Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. Oh, I'm already happy. I don't know about you. I'm very happy. Verse 19, concluding that God, concluding that God was able to raise him up. This is what got Abraham to go through this process of total surrender. Because he concluded that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Number six, faith's motto is, God is able. God is able. Abel. He made no qualms about it. Matter of fact, when God told Abraham to go sacrifice his son, his only son, the scripture says that Abraham got up early the next morning. He didn't sleep in. So, oh, I don't think I'm going to set my alarm tomorrow. I'm going to procrastinate that and delay that as long as possible. And the scripture says he got up early. He was, he was willing to do anything for his God, to give up anything. Because Abraham concluded. So that means he was adding things up, Right? Here's the equation. God gave me Isaac, and in Isaac all the nations will be blessed. Plus, sacrifice Isaac on a mountain to God equals God is able to raise him from the dead. That's what he concluded. And the scripture says he saw it in a figurative sense. See, Abraham by faith accomplished the deed. Before he ever went, followed through with it. He saw it in a figurative. He saw it in his mind. He, uh, he, he already allowed his heart to go there, to release his son to God, to give his most precious thing to God. And at that moment, God said, that's all I need. And when Abraham raised that knife, the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, you don't have to do this. For now I know that you will not withhold anything from me if you won't hold your son, your only son, from me. There was a greater plan, though, behind the scenes, ladies and gentlemen, because man was in this fallen state, and God was in this redemption plan, this redemption plan to the fullest. And he had, he had to get man back. He had to redeem his image. But how could he do it? He gave us free choice. He couldn't just invade earth with his salvation. He couldn't just invade us with his son. But he found a man that would come in covenant with him. He found a man that would give something so that God could give back. And when he found the man, his friend Abraham, who would give up his only son, then God said, I owe Abraham. Hallelujah. So I'm going to give my only son. And so he's sent his son and as a result of that payback as a result of that covenant exchange made all of us got in on that blessing the bible says that we are all children of abraham how by faith glory to god faith motto is god is able don't ever forget that and remember what we've said before if god is able then we are able verse 20 we got to keep moving by faith isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, those are his sons concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. Those are his grandsons. And worship, leaning on the top of his staff. Number seven, faith is an inheritance to your children and grandchildren. When they were dedicating the library this week, the presidential library to George W. Bush, the five living presidents were there. It was quite a scene. It's really a neat moment in history. And one thing George W. Bush said, he kind of said it in passing, but it caught me. 
He said, life is service until the end. That helps us remember that we are tapped into a part of something large. That we have something to give, an inheritance to leave. And that inheritance, ladies and gentlemen, is our faith in God. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, and he's talking to Timothy, he said, When I recall the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. I stand here today a product or as an heir of faith that was passed down from my grandmother to my father and mother to me. And indeed, will continue on to my children and children's children. It's the greatest thing above any earthly possession that you can leave your family is the inheritance of faith. I want all my kids in heaven. That's my first mission field. Before I go to India, it starts in my house. Right? Before I come here and preach to you, it starts in my house. But I'm happy to share this heritage with all of you. I'm happy that we all get to partner together. My father set me and my brother down last year and blessed us. He pronounced a blessing over us. It was one of the most powerful moments in my life because he read this scripture and it, some, it captured him. It got him. It got his, he said, I've got to bless my sons. And he's always blessed us, but he pronounced like a formal, official blessing over us. It was, it was a momentous time of my life. And as he laid his hands on my head and just began to speak about my life and about the future, that was ahead for me. I, it, was, it was so big to take this thing in because it was such a big vision. It was such a big declaration over my life. But one thing of all those things that he said, and they're all wonderful, one thing that he said that has stuck with me is the word stay. I needed to hear him say stay. That helped me because it was a desire in my heart to hear from God. I want you to stay, and I want you to stay right here. I don't ever want to go anywhere else. Because in our lifetime together, we'll be married 19 years this August, and we've moved 15 times in that 19 years. And I did not want to move anymore. It makes me want to throw up thinking about moving a piece of furniture. I'm just so worn out on it. So I just said to the Lord, I want to stay. I don't want to go anywhere. I want, to, I want to put down our roots here. I want our kids to grow up here. I want to build something great here. And when by inspiration of the Spirit of God, my father said, the Lord says, stay here. That encouraged me. That this legacy that has been passed down to me will now be passed down to my children. And all those the Lord gives to me as a pastor. And I'm... Uh, you know, God's got such wonderful things for us together. All these families come together. You have your babies, and I get to help dedicate those babies to the Lord. And, and our families grow up together, and we're just passing this thing on from generation to generation and gen- to generation. Hallelujah. Let's go to verse 22. This is our last thought. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Faith ensures that we are saved to the bone. I think that's an interesting verse of scripture here, verse 22, of all the things to say about this great man, 25% of the book of Genesis is written about his life. Abraham didn't get that much attention. 25% 
of the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, is written about Joseph, and his story is phenomenal. Joseph is the, is the story of a man who, even though he got knocked down, he just kept getting up. And, he, and every time he got up, he came up higher. He became more influential. He got more rich. He, he was blessed. The favor of God was upon his life. He was in a pit. He was in a prison. He was in a palace. Those are all great preacher words. You know, you can just lay them all out as your three points. But I mean, all, of all the, the, I mean, he was a dreamer, you know, he, he interpreted dreams, all the extraordinary things in Joseph's life. This, this consummate point in Hebrews chapter 11, when it's basically just given a summation of their life, this is what it has to say about, of all the things of Joseph, it has to say this, Joseph gave instructions, he mentioned the children of Israel departing from Egypt, and he gave instructions concerning his bones. Well, aren't we encouraged today? He gave instructions concerning his bones. Why is that so important to us? Why did the Holy Spirit make sure of all the things to be talked about in this new covenant reality about the life of Joseph? It is that he made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. The book of Genesis starts, it opens with the story of creation of all things. Life as we know it, planet earth as we know it, all the sun, the moon, the stars, everything that we see had its beginning right here in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. God gave life in the beginning. He made man in his own image. He, he even bent down to that man and breathed life into his nostrils. And the scripture says that man became a living being. God created man to live forever. There was never any plan for death, but yet he gave man a choice and man chose death. He chose to sin and therefore he subjected himself to mortality. But God had a plan, redemption to the fullest. This seemingly insignificant verse 22 in Hebrews chapter 11 really holds a rather grand and illuminating significance for all of us here today. It mentions the very closing story of the book of Genesis. We know how it all began, but Joseph's last words are penned in the final three verses of Genesis chapter 50, and it says this, and Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. What's Joseph doing? He's passing it down. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel and said, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. That is from Egypt. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Genesis opens with creation and closes with a casket. Joseph died in Egypt but he would be buried in the land of promise. In Exodus chapter 13, years and years later, Moses grows up and becomes the leader for the children of Israel to be delivered out of the bondage of Egypt. God performed these mighty miracles, 10 mighty miracles, and finally Pharaoh gave up. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 19, it says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under oath, solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. Oh, what can you just get the picture, ladies and gentlemen? Two and a half million people to three million people, they're on their way out of here. I just have to believe that that casket was probably leading that procession. That they were saying, though he was great in Egypt, yet he wants no association with Egypt. He didn't want a, a pyramid after him, some monument put up after him. Joseph was connected to his inheritance, this heritage of faith. This is not who he really was. This is not really where he belonged. Get my bones and get them out of here. 
This is not what God has promised me. There's a land that God is calling his children to, and I want my bones there. I want my very bones to inherit that promise. Though I'm long gone, I want to be there resting in that land of promise. And they carried that casket that casket went through the Red Sea. Joseph experienced the miracle, even in his bones, of the, of the Dead Sea, of the Red Sea, I'm sorry, opening up and then passing through on dry ground. And then the fact that the Israelites brought back an evil report. They were two weeks away from their land of promise, yet through unbelief, the Bible says they wandered in that wilderness for 40 years, and yet everywhere they went, they carried that casket. And all those unbelievers died in the desert. Even Moses himself didn't get to get to the promised land. But in Joshua chapter 24, we find something really powerful as Joshua, the, the succeeder to, uh, to Moses, say, uh, it says in Joshua 24, the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel had brought up out of Egypt, they buried at Shechem in the plot of ground which Jacob had bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for 100 pieces of silver, and which had become an inheritance of the children of Joseph. There, you have it. See, you are made up, spirit, soul, and body. Though you die here in this land of Egypt, the spirit of this world, this is not, believer, this is not your end. You have to know that the moment you put your faith in Christ, you ensured a day coming when these bones will come up out of the ground. They'll come up out of their grave and they will end up, hallelujah, in that resting place called heaven forever and ever and evermore. God has saved you, spirit, soul, and body. Jesus has so thoroughly whipped sin that you are saved even to your bone. Hallelujah. Faith is the awareness that we are in this world, but not of this world. Faith says it how it is. Faith never looks back. Faith is the desire for better. Faith is total surrender to God. Faith's motto is God is able. Faith is an inheritance to your children and to your grandchildren. And faith ensures and we are saved to the bone. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a second before we get out of here. I just need to talk to you for a minute because when we hear the word of God, it should do something in us. That is, bring us to a place where we need to make a decision about what we've heard. God gave us his word so that we can make the right kinds of choices when we hear the truth. We find ourselves at a crossroads, if you will, a threshold I says okay I've got to do something here I need to make a change I need to take a step I need to make a new choice by hearing what you've heard today I hope it's inspired you I hope it's built you up and lifted you up and blessed you and I hope it's charged you I hope it's encouraged you I hope it's corrected you that the word has done what it can do some of you here need to make a serious decision today. Some of you are here today and you are not walking with God. You're living your life for yourself, wandering aimlessly, and you're not guided by this thing called faith. And you don't walk in this assurance that God is with you at all times and that he's here to help you through every stage of life to grow you, to commune with you, to love you, to show you all that he has for you. 
you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I want you to pray for me today. I'm making a decision. I'm making a new choice to live for God. I need a new beginning right now. Let me encourage you. God is the God of a new beginning. Scripture says his mercies are brand new every day. Today's a new day. There are new mercies for you. And if you're here and you say, Pastor Eric, I need prayer. Pray for me. I'm making a new change. I'm starting a new start today with God's help. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you here today. I want to pray for you. You're away from God. You know it. Thank you. Today, you're just giving it to him. You're taking another step, another surrender toward total surrender. Thank you very much. Lord, bless these who have their hands up to God. I thank you. Even as the apostle Paul prayed, that grace and peace be multiplied to them. Can we all say this together? Father, I choose your way today. I need you in every part of my life. Jesus, take your seat on the throne of my heart. I surrender to you. I thank you that you are the God of a new beginning. And I take that step I choose your life. I choose your way. I choose your word. Jesus is Lord of my life. And from this day forward, I'm committed to every day choosing you, choosing what you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me all my sins. Thank you for cleansing me. Old things are gone, and new things have come. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service, Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.